Hello, everybody. Brian here. Welcome to the Franchise Radio Show. Lovely to have you back again. And today I'll be talking to Adam Houlihan. Who is he, you say? Well, Adam is an international keynote speaker. I've known him for some years because we're both closely associated with B1G1, the organization we both support and value quite significantly. So what Adam does is specializes in LinkedIn strategies. He does this for entrepreneurs and CEOs of, I suppose, uh, one of the few truly global LinkedIn agencies, uh, which is called Prominence Global. He hosts, um, well, I think a probably some of the world's largest free online LinkedIn training events, quite significant, got a worldwide spread, got thousands of people that register five times a year or so. And uh, he's acknowledged by many as being one of the world's leading experts harnessing the power of LinkedIn for business. He's also the author of three Amazon best-selling books, Social Media Secret Source, love the title, LinkedIn Playbook, and The Influencer. And Adam believes that real and meaningful change comes through the world's entrepreneurs, and his purpose is to positively impact 12 million people in need. And he's already surpassed 10 million impacts on the way to that target. Adam, before I say anything else, that is an extraordinary achievement. Congratulations. That's absolutely brilliant. I know you're a big supporter through B1. G1 and so forth. But most of our listeners probably won't be aware of that. So we'll get into the conversation. Chance for you to say hello to everybody. <laughs> thank you, Brian. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, yes, thank you. It's uh, B1G1's uh, very much ingrained into everything we do these days. And uh, I consider it a privilege to to be a part of B1G1 and get to, to do, uh, do what we do with them uh, every month. I might say a little plug here. For those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, contact Adam or I and we'll pass you on some information. But it's a really rewarding organisation that I think can also help you in, in your business as well because of their entrepreneurial bent. So quick question to get started. We're talking about LinkedIn, obviously. I think I've given that game away. Um, I'm actually calling the title today, Adam Houlihan, LinkedIn expert and author. So first of all, we're talking to our small to medium-sized business entourage here and quite a number of professionals as well. So what's the relevance of LinkedIn for small to medium size enterprises, Adam? I've been fairly sceptical in the past, but we're talking today to straighten me out on that one. Yeah, it's a good question. It's the, the most important question, really, isn't it, Brian? So uh, look, it's there's three things I want to say. <clears throat> First of all, uh, I'm not going to say that it's the, the right platform for every single business. You've got to make sure that your target audience is active on, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's always step one. Uh, in most cases, uh, it tends to be that, that that is the case these days. Uh, and if it is the case, there's two key components of what you would uh, consider as part of your LinkedIn strategy. The first part is around like a personal branding process for the founder or CEO or the yeah, the key person within the organization. And then secondly, of course, is uh, how you leverage that personal brand uh, and company presence for lead generation purposes. I get the privilege of speaking you know, all over the world on this, Brian. And the first question I always ask, uh, an audience is, uh, you know, I, do you want to develop a LinkedIn strategy for um, personal branding or lead generation? And uh, the high majority of the audience will say both, which is fine. You can definitely do that. If I said, well, let's let's just separate it between you know those two things, ninety percent of people will say lead generation. So so that's really the the key outcome that uh, most of the people that we work with are looking to to achieve. Yeah, I see. I mean, I've I've recently joined one of your programs. 
and uh, looking at both our businesses, franchise simply and systems to grow. Because I do see LinkedIn raising its profile, from my point of view anyway, people are transitioning across. They've had enough of Facebook. And I think that LinkedIn is being, is a more mature, if you like, sort of uh, sort of media for people to uh, communicate on and so forth. Uh, so just running into some more questions. I mean, look, you know, I suppose LinkedIn has been with us for a while now, but how did you get drawn into the LinkedIn circle, Anna? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey now, Brian. It's, uh, it actually started when uh, I was actually running someone else, a business for somebody else. Uh, it was in the, believe it or not, the organic skincare industry. <laughs> and the in the early days of my taking on that role, uh, we were looking at, uh, you know, what uh, other companies in that space around the world were doing and what were they doing well uh, and where could we improve. And what it turned out, you know, in that research was that, you know, these organizations were good early adopters of social media and we're talking you know sort of like 15 years ago now mm-hmm. and uh so that sort of piqued my interest in social media in general but from a more of a business perspective than a you know than a uh, personal perspective and the more i delved into that the more i just kind of resonated with linkedin and, and saw the potential of it for you know for uh, you know business purposes and so i just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into you know into linkedin and how it works and then of course at some point I uh, you know I'd always actually owned my own businesses and it was just this one little stint that I had where I was running someone else's and the time came where it was okay I really you know really want to get back into to you know to my own thing and so you know kind of got this you know LinkedIn working really really well and this this particular company is you know reasonable size we're doing you know a million dollars a month in online sales back at that time uh and but then you know we'd kind of you know created a very good LinkedIn strategy as well and so I had a lot of people reaching out to me and saying oh I see what you guys are doing and how you're doing that like you know, can, can you give me some pointers and and so anyway i made the decision to you know go full-time into this and and essentially start you know where, where prominence global started was just me as a as a consultant just just helping a few people you know do some stuff on linkedin and uh here we are today pretty much a you know a global organization with a team all over the world and uh thousands of uh you know reviews and uh all, all that fun stuff and uh and, and you know linkedin just uh, continues to be uh, it's certainly not an easy platform and I think you know coming back to what you said earlier Brian around being skeptical often skepticism comes from not understanding how to how to really use it uh, and so that's not uncommon uh, it is not an easy platform to truly master uh, and it's constantly evolving it's constantly changing so hence why you know teams like us having that ability to keep on top of what's going on and, and sharing that with uh, you know with our clients massively increases your chances of success let's just say I see quite a lot of parallels actually with franchising because there are a lot of misconceptions out there with franchising obviously I'm a devotee. I've been in it for 40 years, right? So I've done everything, franchisee, franchisor, consultant, et cetera, et cetera. But it's knowing your way around those things. And it just comes down to experience, really. But if you don't have that experience, you can make so many mistakes, waste so much time, money, and ultimately, really just, I suppose, burn your investment. So that's it. it's an interesting comparison. So in some respects, to say there is that is that parallel. Well, thanks for that, those comments. So I suppose I've heard also, let's get into some of the more tangible elements. 
moments. I mean, I concur, it isn't straightforward. It does take a bit of learning to do, but you know, that's all good. We all need to keep the brain power ticking over. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of conflicting stories on what's the best time to post, for example. You know, what's your thoughts on this one? I presume you're the man to ask <laughs> things yeah. I've got here. I hope so. And uh, so, Brian, it's a, that's a great question. Uh, and again, it's one I often get asked in events I'm speaking at and things like that. But the and the answer I'm going to give you is is comes from uh, us having researched this, implemented it hundreds and hundreds of times. Just to give you some background, you know, when you know, anything I'm sharing with you is not the stuff we've learned from someone else or whatever is from our own internal research. We uh, we manage, sorry, we uh, monitor uh, around 500 posts on LinkedIn every month, uh, and they're a range of between, you know, obviously some of those people are our clients, our our own content, but also other people that, you know, that are either with people we know that are doing things really well, but also believe it or not, people we know that are not doing things very well (laughs) and different countries, different time zones, different industries. So you get a nice wide cross section of of that data. And so often, you know, you'll see posts on LinkedIn and social media in general that say, oh, the best time to post on Instagram is this time and on Facebook is this time and LinkedIn, it's, you know, whatever they, they come up with. And, you know, quite often that will be correct based on that particular person's own account. But that's way too small a data set to, to be able to say that's what happens globally because I can guarantee you it isn't. What actually though, in the in the context of, of times to post, there is no such thing as a best day and time to post. What is important is what happens in the first two hours from when you post. Mm. And to give you some context of that, let's just pick a line in the sand. Let's just say you're posting at 10 a.m. on Monday. Now, of course, if you think that through and I said 10 a.m. Monday, your response could put quite genuinely, well, 10 a.m. where? I mean, in Australia alone, we've got seven different time zones right now, let alone if you have a global audience. So the point being is that let's just say it's 10 a.m. Monday in wherever you you happen to be, whatever location you happen to be. What happens is as soon as you post, a bot comes along and it looks at your content and it's looking for reasons to suppress that content. And also it's time stamping it. So it goes, okay, this was posted, at, Brian's posted this at 10 a.m. And it then comes back in roughly 90 minutes to two hours, somewhere in that window to see how much interaction has happened on that post. And in that time, they only open up that post to be visible to something like eight to 10% of your um, network. And it's kind of like a test. The the concept being that, okay, if it come back and nobody's interacted on this content, then more likely the other 90% of your audience isn't interested in it either. So then they just let it kind of slowly die out of everyone's feeds. On the reverse side of that, it comes back and sees there has been some interaction. Then it goes, okay, well, there's interest in this content. Therefore, now let's open it up to you know a wider community to be able to see it. So the answer to the question is, it's not about the day or time. It's about what happens in the first two hours of, of when you actually upload that content. So dare I say, this is the secret of post parties. <laughs> okay. So I suppose as with any online subscription, there's quite a lot of options from the point of view of, you know, how much you invest in it per month or per year, et cetera, et cetera. Free accounts are available as well. So what do you think, you know, would be the recommendation you give to people, particularly if they're in their early days of actually getting serious about LinkedIn? So again, it depends on what the outcome you're looking for. So uh, if you were just using uh, it for purely personal branding purposes, and we do have lots of people that do that, then quite honestly, Brian, you can you can get away with just the, the free account. Uh, however, if you want to use it to really build a connection, you know, uh, 
a strategic connection database and to use it for you know a very high level and what I call ethical lead generation, then you definitely have to use a subscription called Sales Navigator. Now it varies uh, around the world, but it's roughly equivalent to you know around about sixty-five US dollars a month, about a hundred dollars Australian uh, as an idea, and then there's about a twenty-five percent discount to that if you pay on an annual basis. But uh, and there's a lot of a lot of good things uh, about the SaaS Navigator subscription. There are multiple other subscriptions, and there's you know as an example, if uh, you you had an audience uh, that uh, were in the recruitment industry, then they would use a different platform called Recruiter. Uh, there's you know people who are looking for you know new jobs or whatever. There's a job search subscription, things like that. But as a general purpose is you know the market we talked about earlier, you know small to medium sized enterprises looking to use the platform for lead generation. SaaS Navigator is the one they need to use. Right. Now, looking through some of your information earlier, I thought I'd better do a bit of homework. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, just to remind you all, I'm talking to Adam Houlihan today. He's the founder and LinkedIn guru extraordinaire, and he's answering some more questions for us. So just to, to push on, I noticed a couple of acronyms. <laughs> we all use them. We couldn't survive without them on a day-to-day basis, but there's a couple that popped up, and I, I thought I'd ask you, because one of them is called the VFA, Valuable Free Action. Can you tell me what is that? <laughs> well, a valuable free free action is that's kind of what you want to be doing on LinkedIn as far as uh, keeping in mind that you know no different on LinkedIn to any other social media platform is that you don't ever own your account. You get to rent space on that platform is the, the way I like to put it. Mm. And you know LinkedIn, no different to every other platform, changes the rules all the time. They restrict people for what seems like you know completely you know, innocuous reasons, uh, whatever. So one of the main goals that you want to have of and this is general social media in general, uh, but it's, but we're talking specifically on LinkedIn, is to always be moving people off social media into your database in some form. And generally speaking, the way you do that is by giving people something that's that they see of value, that is free, uh, but it makes them you know willingly come off the social media into your database. And of course, what we're talking about here is any forms of kind of like lead magnets. So it might be like a, an assessment they can do that helps them you know, uh, figure out a problem that they have in their business. And giving you their name and email address and potentially phone number in exchange for for that valuable information it could be you know a book you've written that you're, you're happy to give people a free download or, or something like that but you obviously get them to you know give you their name and email to be able to send it to them things like that so they, that's what a vfa is <laughs> all right another one um i'll limit this to two <laughs> The next one is the VFR. <laughs> the mind boggles. So I won't tell you creatively what I'm thinking of, but VFR. Let's have a crack at that one. What's your uh, What's your your thoughts? I mean, it wasn't one I could share on <laughs> on a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so VFR. That's uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, it's a valuable free resource. So, so essentially the same thing. It's you know, an action is something you're getting people to take. A resource is the actual thing that they, they're taking that action for. So it's a valuable free resource. Right. Okay. All right. We're beginning to fill in the puzzle here a little bit. That's good. So we've got a few more bits to juggle in this puzzle. 
thing. I suppose, if, well, if I can pry, sort of delve a little bit deeper, what, what's what you would call, you know, what's the secret sauce? What's your your prognosis for getting lots of people wanting to join your webinars, for example, which I know are incredibly, you know, well well subscribed. Thank you. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, we've been we've been doing them for for quite some time. Uh, and so so one of the the keys to this is that um, again, remember it's a, a lead generation process, but people have to see value in information and keeping in mind, you know, when you let's let's just say, you know, uh, like our events. So we average around about two thousand people that register for each of those events, and you know, there's a there's a percent, a high percentage of those people who at this point in time, you know, are not ready to to take a next step with you or your business, but they're very interested in in learning and and yeah. You know, so your your um your webinar or whatever it is you're doing has to have an element of um, high value for, for those people. Uh, also, I can share with you, we know that people that come to our events and why we host it five times a year is because we know that you know people who come into our world in the early part, they'll need to have come to three of those events before they will be ready to to take that next step. And what that's about is what's very commonly known as the no like trust factor. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the, the term. It's almost an acronym in itself these days, but people have to first know who you are before they're going to want to take a next step with you. They've probably got to like you. We don't, you know, uh, we don't really do business with people that we that we don't like, and we certainly don't do business with people we don't trust. So, the, well, I'll, I'll put a proviso on that as probably like uh, telcos and energy companies. We probably don't trust or like them, but we still do business with them because we don't have any choice. But apart from them, people don't do business with people they don't like or trust. And so, yeah, these people have the opportunity to come back multiple times to these events, builds up that like and trust factor. And of course, then we're interacting with them in between that. We're still, you know, we, we, they're there on our database. We're sending them other free resources and uh, information, inviting them to other things. Uh, and that's the that's kind of the journey you've got to look at uh, taking people on. Uh, I mean, again, you know, we talk about acronyms, the, you know, there's the ZMOT, Zero Moment of Truth. Uh, I'm sure you heard of that one as well, but um, it was a, if you know, anyone doesn't know, it was, a, it was a research that Google did in the early days around how many touch points that people had to, t you know, have had before they are ready to do something. Back at that time, it was about 12. Uh, I think these days they say it's almost 85. So, so there you go. You have to be interacting and having touch points with people on a you know, consistent basis before they're going to make that that next leap and and uh, you know be really interested in and in a position of trust to want to do something with you. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That growth in the touch points, you say up to 85. Uh, so I suppose that's where social media can fill in because what you need to do is create, you can't have 85 telephone conversations or consultations with people. So I suppose social media sort of fills in a bit of that gap. Is that? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's exactly what it is. So as an example, you know, that's why why we post content three times a week because you know they're, they're all touch points. People, you know, they get that, you know, see that content. Uh, it's why we, you know, take the time to wish people a happy birthday on their birthday. It, not that we're we're not trying to sell them anything. It's it's just you know we remain top of mind to them. Uh, you know, if they get a new job, if it's their work anniversary, all these little things that LinkedIn tell you about, they're all touch points and they all add up. So uh, so yeah, exactly right. That's that's kind of the uh, the one of the key factors of of how social 
social media works these days. And look, there's there's also the converse of that, Brian, and I'm sure you've experienced it plenty of times yourself where you, know, you connect with someone on, on LinkedIn as an example, and the very next thing you get is a sales pitch for, you know, whatever else, you know, whatever they do. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you that, uh, you know, less than 99% of the time that uh, you actually wouldn't take that next step. And that's one of the big mistakes people think is, you know, it's all about the sales pitch on social media. It's not. It's about the, you know, your personal branding and those and those constant touch points. So what you're saying is you you develop or create and then grow the relationship or maintain existing ones. And then the sales process happens off site, if you like. 100% correct. So so that's it. So And again, if you, you well, you, you know, obviously we've been following each, each other for quite some time, even though it was originally through B1G1, but you would never have received anything from us that was a sales pitch. The, the most you ever got was an invite to, to a, a free event or here's a, here's a free resource that you can get access to or something like that. And then, yes, come to one of our events. We deliver a lot of value. And then we just, uh, even then, we don't really pitch that hard on things. We just say, hey, here's what we do. Here's who we do it for. Uh, here's a questionnaire. The next step is just, uh, yeah, if you're interested in finding out what that might look like for you, fill that out. We'll make a time to have a chat and we'll, we'll decide then whether, you know, it's a good next step or not. So so that's, yeah, the whole sales process happens off platform. I guess that's, um, and I, I applaud you for that, by the way. I think we have similar philosophies as far as that's concerned, which is why I recognize a lot of people having having now joined one of your programs that I recognize lots of people's names who maintain contact with you, obviously after years, because I've seen them actively on LinkedIn for a long, long time. So uh, yeah, that's 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 fascinating. And that's, that's obviously a technique you've hewed over the years. So one thing that amazes me is the numbers you talk about at your events. A lot of people, you know, try and run webinars and, you know, no shows or a handful of people. They don't really get any traction. How come that you do it? You're giving us a bit of the answer, I suppose, but would you have something you can add to that? Sure. Yeah, it's about, there's one key factor that I see is done incorrectly very often. And what that is, is that, and we're talking about if, you know, I'm not saying the only strategy is webinars, it happens to be the one we use, but there are other strategies. But in the context of, of webinars, the often what I see is that people create a webinar where they're trying to get the sales sale process done on that webinar. And whilst that's not necessarily a bad thing, the point is that, you know, at any one time, give, give ours, you know, as an example. So, you know, to 2,000 people will, and we track these numbers very, very closely on, on every event. The 2,000 people as an average would register probably means about 900 of them will show up live, uh, you know, on on the uh, on the, the two sessions that we run on the day. We have to run it twice because of the time zones. We have people joining from 20 different countries every time. Um, and so we have a morning and an evening session. Uh, so 900 across the two sessions. Out of that, you know, there's probably only going to be, you know, uh, one or two percent of them that that would say, yeah, look, I'm, you know, I'm at a point where I'm going to fill out that questionnaire and maybe have a chat with you. And then only a, a percentage of those that will go, yep, this is right for me. And there's times, Brian, where we will do that process and we will say, hey, look, this isn't the right process or the right time or, or what for you. And we're not never going to put someone into something that, you know, we don't believe that, you know, we can get the result for. So the problem that I see is people are going, okay, this one event, and I've got to, I'm going to judge everything off what happens on this event. We know it's a, you know, 
like a, a 25, 30 week journey from the first event to the second event. And it's the third event that, so the key thing is that you can't be running the exact same event every single time, because there's no reason for someone to come back again, because they've already seen it. So the process that you need is for it to be a continuing theme, but new information each time. So we don't have to reinvent the entire webinar. We've been running the exact same webinar now for five years, but every single time we run it, there's new information in it, but the framework of it's exactly the same. So that's the keys. You've got to take a long, it's a long game, not a, not a short game. Uh, and it's all about, you know, uh, providing value at every level. You know, those people, you know, I can't tell you now how many of those people, there's people that come to these events every single time, and they're probably never going to be in a position to you know, come into one of our programs. However, they give us Google reviews. They leave us recommendations on LinkedIn. They recommend us to other people when the event's coming up, they share it with their audiences. So there's, you know, you've got to look at the real value of these relationships. The reason, one of the reasons we get so many people now, Brian, is because all these people who will never be clients of ours, but do exactly that every single time. So we get this army of people that are out there promoting our events for us because they simply, you know, see the value in it and, and are you know, very open and willing to promote it and uh, leave us reviews and things that, uh, you know, actually help us in the long run. So they're literally followers, but not purchasers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one other quick question, um, which is always of interest to people, uh, I think, is how long do you think is the optimum time from your experience running a webinar? They vary enormously from 20 minutes to an hour and a half. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd say an hour and a half is certainly on the very <laughs> far end. Uh, people's attention spans these days are, you know, getting shorter and shorter. Uh, I believe it's, you know, 20, you can definitely do something powerful in 20 minutes. I've, I've seen, I've even seen some lately that are like 12 minutes uh, and there's a specific strategy that they have around you know, how and why they do that. But as a general rule, uh, I believe like somewhere in the 45 minutes to an hour is the, you know, you're, you're able to, you know, deliver enough value. Look, one of the, the things, you know, that we're known for in our events is the Q&A. Uh, so we run our, that event runs for one hour and then we, we have a little bit of Q&A within that one hour. We also say, look, hey, we're going to, I'm going to stay here at the end. And, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer all of your questions now. The longest we've had a and A go for, believe it or not, this is after the one hour event is 90 minutes. So wow. the, the entire thing went for two and a half hours, mm. and we had still still had people, you know, hundreds of people on there at that point in time. Uh, now that, that's generally speaking, it probably runs about 30 minutes of Q and A. So so it ends up about 90 minutes. But at the at that point, it's only you know some people will stay until they get their question answered, then they'll jump off. Some people just like some people say to us the most valuable part of the whole thing is the is the q a i stay for the q a because so many good questions get answered and you guys always answer them so uh so yeah look it's you know somewhere in the you know one hour to 90 minutes but i you know i would say it's more like you know 45 minutes to an hour of presentation and, and then whatever level of q a is appropriate it's interesting you should say that but i'm not surprised with regards to the q a because in our workshops we run and in the presentations we do at the franchise expos it's the questions that people often when they complete you know, a, a form at the end with their feedback, they'll often say the Q&A was their most valuable part. So, which is interesting because it shares, I suppose, a heap of spontaneous questions from a range of people who come from diff a different place. Which yeah, is, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, not that I've ever given it a lot of serious thought, but that seems to be excellent. Now, the other thing is, obviously, I'll, I appreciate the extent of what you can do with your ultimate sort of programs is really significant. I've been most impressed and amazed at the amount, I suppose, of collateral that's gone into it and often you know it can be thousands of dollars a month 
I suppose people running webinars often say to me, you can only go to a limited amount, you know, maybe twelve or $1,500, something like that. You'll never recruit people onto your program for more than that. How can you manage to get people to join your program and make a serious investment in what is a serious investment for their business after all said and done? I mean, one thing I've learned is you can't tinker with LinkedIn. The tinkering that I've been doing for the last few years that's been pretty much a waste of time. A little bit of ego, but that's about it, you know. So what's your response there if that's not a leading question for you? No, no, it's fine. And and you put that in context, like at the highest end of the of you know, the services we have, you, you're probably looking at you know, something around the $70,000 a year uh, mark. And we've got clients that have been in that for uh, up to seven years. So so for one, you, you know, it's got to be able to deliver a lot of value to uh, and, and tangible results to you know, people people to invest that type of money for that long. And yeah, I, I agree that I've seen that many times where people say, you know, the maximum you can sell is, you know, around that $1,500 mark. Uh, and that's that's on those those one-off webinars where they're designed to, you know, it's, this is my one Hail Mary and I'm judging everything about what happens by the end of the webinar. That's the type of webinars where you, you literally, because you've only got 30 or 60 minutes to take, <clears throat> you know, people from potentially never even having heard of you to having enough trust to to buy that that's about the the level of their trust is is twelve to fifteen hundred dollars at best. However, when you take that long term view that we do, and it's you know we know it's you know it's more than twenty. So let's say they came to the, the events. We, well, our next one is in three weeks' time. Uh, if that was their first one, the one after that's going to be ten weeks later than that, and the next one's ten weeks after that. So it's over twenty weeks before someone will have you know been to the to it three times and are likely to be open to that that next step. So that's one of the keys of you know those higher value services being you know very successfully promoted and uh sold on web events is it's got to be that long-term sort of pro- approach and it, often people will say oh just from a purely from a cash flow point of view i just need to make a sale you know off this event otherwise you know i don't have the i don't have the money to, to you know go into to the next one and i understand that and i'm not judging that i'm just saying that the you know you will be very limited on how much value you can deliver and how much trust you can create in, in such a short period of time. Yeah, patience is a virtue, isn't it? It's certainly something you need, particularly, as you say, I think currently. Do you think this has changed over past sort of post-COVID, Adam? Yeah, look, you know, just when COVID first hit, the trust factor was reduced. Mm. There, there was certainly, you know, and we certainly found we, as you know, as a, as a business, we doubled in size, you know, in that first 12 months from, uh, what are we talking, March 2020. By the end of 2020, so not even, 12 months we we had literally doubled now in fairness we probably had a lot of built up trust and factor in the market but the in talking to many other media age social media agencies they experienced similar type of things so people were just kind of either uh desperate to the what happened at that time or they were transitioning from potentially out of corporate roles into consulting roles and things like that and they just need you know, said i honestly don't know how to do this i know i just need to invest in in you know getting you guys to help me that has gone that whole process yeah we've then gone through what 10 interest rate rises cash flow is tight you know um, employment challenges that that businesses have these days with either a, a very transient uh workforce or uh higher demand on wages due to higher costs all these things i would say that the you know that process has lengthened now considerably from what it was even post uh, pre-covid yeah we certainly mirror that from our point of view as well 
So, uh, by the way, I just to remind you, I'm talking to Adam Ulhan, founder of LinkedIn Business Abundance Extraordinary, Abundance Global, and he's our, our guru for the day. Just quickly wrap, wrapping up here, Adam, before we finish, you, you may have more than one, <laughs> but what's the question I should have asked you and haven't? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's a good one. You haven't put me on the spot like that. One. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great one. I think the thing that I could say that would add the the most uh, the most value for people is you know, how do I work out whether or not my market is on LinkedIn? Because as I said right at the start, there there are uh, you know, businesses that don't need to, to be on on that platform, uh, and it may be that they're they're far better operating their time into Instagram or Facebook or, or heaven forbid TikTok. I hope not, but anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so the the question I, I think is is of most value is you know how do I work out whether or not my my market is is on LinkedIn? And so you know. Obviously, you know, working with companies like us, we can quickly ascertain that for you. But if not, one of the best ways to do that is, is you, yeah, is you need to get access to Sales Navigator, as, as we talked about. And look, if you've never used Sales Navigator before, LinkedIn will give you a 30-day free trial. So I would highly recommend take the free trial. And what you'll see is it has all these filters where you can punch in all the, the you know, the, the relevant thing for you, like where, where are these companies? What companies are they? How big are they? You know, who's the right person? person in that company, all this this stuff that where you can get down to you know is your right your right audience. And then there's a very, very important filter that is uh says you know active on LinkedIn. Because there's a big difference in all social platforms between who might be on there and who's actually active on there. So put in all those filters first, you'll come up with a number, whatever it is, and then then click the one that says active on LinkedIn and see what happens. And if that number goes dramatically down to you know a very you know insignificant number your market's not active on LinkedIn. Excellent. Thank you for that tip. I'm sure a lot of people here will be taking advantage of that valuable advice. I really appreciate it. So in just wrapping up, just a reminder, everybody, I've been talking to Adam Houlihan. And uh, if you've enjoyed this conversation with Adam, we'll include some information on how you can contact him, but maybe you could share it with us now. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you or with um, uh, with Prominence Global? Well, two ways, right? Either, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or just go to our website you know, prominence.global uh, and uh, lots of free resources and ways that, uh, you know, that we can we can share value for you uh, directly on, on that site. Right. Okay. Well, everyone, thanks very much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Any questions, get back to Adam or, of course, to myself. Look forward to chatting to you next time we have um, one of our franchise radio shows. Have a great uh, rest of your day, whatever time of the day and wherever you happen to be on whatever of the 200 time zones that we, that we communicate on. Thanks very much indeed. And uh, thanks again, Adam. My pleasure, Brian. It was a pleasure.